Well, welcome everybody. We are grateful that you're able to be with us today. As has already been said, we're grateful for those who are able to join us online. We miss the folks that are still at LTC, but I am grateful for LTC. I am grateful for what that means. I'm grateful for all the parents and volunteers who go out there year after year and um, create memories and create connections to church life. I, I, I'm grateful for what that's going to mean when you and I are gone, uh, us grown-ups, those young people who are experiencing that this weekend are still going to have those memories of singing and praying and teaching and studying the Word of God. And by then, they're going to be teaching their children. And so, the continuity continues of God's Word. I'm grateful for that. We do miss them, though, uh, when they're not with us. Have you given any thought to what's going to be on your tombstone? A lot of us don't like to think about it. Oddly enough, I've thought about it. I've, I've thought about it a good bit. I, I have a current front runner for what I want on my tombstone, uh, if I have a tombstone or a plaque, whatever you get. I don't know. I think right now what, I'm, what I have in mind is saved by Jesus and the love of a good woman. I think that's really, that's a pretty good one for me. I, I think that kind of uh, gets, gets it. But something, some, something is going to kind of be the summary of your life at some point. I mean, I, I, we don't like to think about it, but it's true. At some point, this world is going to get the better of this body that you're in, right? I mean, that's just what happens. It may happen very suddenly. Every one of us kind of takes our life in our hands every time we get out in the on the road in these murder machines we drive. It may happen slowly. At the very end of your life, some disease or other may slowly, slowly, slowly just whittle away your health, whittle away your health, whittle away your health until you're gone. But one way or the other, this is, this is a truth that's universal for the human race. One way or the other, this world will get the better of this body that you're in. And, and everybody has to deal with that. Everybody has to think about it. And the good news is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have something absolutely unique to anchor your hope to. Absolutely unique. In 1 Peter 3, verse 18, we already studied this in another context, but Peter says these words, which are crucial for the main argument that he's making throughout the book. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, 
but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus was no exception to the rule that I just articulated. Do you get that? Just like this world is eventually going to be too much for this body that you're in. It's going to get it. It's going to win. This world was too much for Jesus' body, too. His was a violent, unjust, vicious death. He was too pure, and he was too truthful, and he was too honest with the powers that be. And in the end, they said, it's either him or us. And since we have the power, it's going to be him. And they flexed their political muscles. And they got him hung on a Roman cross. Killed in the flesh. And if that were the end of the story, you wouldn't be here today. Because that story had happened many, many times already. When it happened to Jesus. Happened many more times. It's happened many times in the history of the world where those in power decide someone is enough of an irritant that they need to be gotten rid of. That happens a lot. But one time, here's what happened God said, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. I will not let his body see decay. This stone that the builders looked at and said, we can't do anything with this. And they tossed it aside. This stone becomes the cornerstone and foundation of my temple. That's what God said. This one that murderers and cowards have unjustly put into the ground in the flesh, I reverse the verdict and raise from the dead. That's what happened. And that's why you're here today. If that had not happened, you wouldn't be here. Whoever it was who taught you the gospel, they wouldn't have been there to teach you the gospel. Whoever it was that printed this Bible, they wouldn't have bothered to print the Bible. Whoever it was that paid the money to build this roof of this church, they wouldn't have bothered if that had not happened. God said, I do not accept the verdict of this world. I raised Jesus from the dead. Peter kind of makes a callback to that whole passage about the, the stone that the builders rejected. Peter 2, 1 Peter 2 verse 4, if you're in your Bibles. You have come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. 
That's who Jesus is. God says, I reject the verdict that found him guilty. And I prove my rejection by raising him out of that grave, never to die again. Jesus was rejected and killed by humans, but raised and given honor by God. That's the message that put you in this pew this morning. That's the, that's the story that put me in this pulpit this morning. Jesus was killed by the world and raised by God. And it has profound implications for you and me, of course. Because you and I believe this and because we know this, it changes the way we live our lives day by day. That's the reason why Peter is calling our attention to it over and over again. He just kind of sprinkles it in there throughout his letter to remind you this is why we are doing the things that we're doing. Because Jesus died and he was raised by God. Look back in chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, look back in verses 4 through 8 with me if you have your Bibles. As you have come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are living stones, being built up as a spiritual house. You see what Peter just did? He says, the builders looked at this stone and said, we can't do anything with that. This does not fit our design. And God said, yeah, because I don't care for your design. Your design is a design of this fallen world. I'm taking this to make it my house, my design, and everyone who follows Jesus Christ, I'm pointing at you, you, becomes a building block in the house that God is building right now, God's temple. You're part of that temple. You, yourselves, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands so in Scripture. Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they are destined to do. He says this becomes now the dividing line of the universe. On one side are those who say yes to Jesus. On the other side are those who ignore Jesus and turn away from him who say no to Jesus and reject him. Peter says, you have said yes. That's why you're here. Peter says, you have said yes. And that's why you have hope. Because God reversed the dishonor done to Jesus, we know he's going to reverse our dishonor too. We live in the fallen world just like Jesus did. We live in a world that's eventually going to get the better of us, just like it got the better of Jesus. But here's something we know that the world doesn't know. 
The world sees our dishonor. The world sees sometimes our disgrace. And they say, that's the story of being a follower of Christ. And we know that's not the story. The story is this. That one day, just as Jesus came out of his grave to receive glory and honor in the presence of God, you will too. I will too. We will too. We will rise from that tomb and be in the presence of God. The world's verdict will be reversed. And it's God's verdict that will rule. Look over in, verse, in chapter 4 with me. If you're in your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rest on you. And let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in that name. What a great passage. Don't be surprised when the world treats you a little bit the way it treated Jesus. Jesus was too pure, too truthful, too perfect for this world. And they killed him for it. You're not that pure. <laughs> I'm not that truthful. I'm not that good. We aren't. But to the extent that you and I follow Jesus even a little bit like a grain of a mustard seed, we're going to be irritating to the world. And there are going to be times when the world turns against us. That's just the way it is. So don't be shocked by that. It's not like you're doing something wrong when that happens, like you messed up. The world thinks you messed up, and they're going to tell you that's their verdict. You messed up. But that isn't true, Peter says. They did it to Jesus, they're going to do it to you. That's just the way it is. If you are suffering because you messed up, because you literally sinned, you're a murderer, you're a thief, you're a meddler, then you're getting what's coming to you, Peter says. But if you're suffering because you have the name Christian, Consider that an honor. Consider that a blessing. Somebody uses the word Christian like a swear word at you. You need to hear blessings. They don't mean to be complimenting me, but they are complimenting me when they say that. You Christian. You just hear the sounds of angels when they say that. Whatever their tone of voice is, you know what God's tone of voice is, right? That's what Peter's saying. By the way, the word Christian, so common now, really uncommon in the New Testament. There's only three times that the word Christian's ever used in the New Testament. Here, 
two other places, once in Act, trying to remember the last one. It's a very, un, and it was used as a pejorative. It was a used, oh, you little Christy people. You know, it was, it was used as an insult, it looks like. And so people, outsiders who said that to a Christian, they meant to be insulting. And Peter said, they mean it as an insult. That's their verdict. But you know God's verdict. God's verdict's already come in. He did what he did to Jesus, he's going to do for you. And so don't be shocked, don't be surprised, and don't let it get under your skin. When they curse you, and when they curse, you can return blessings for their cursings. You can return love for their hate. You can return good for their evil. You don't have to fight back. You don't have to retaliate because you know God's got you. You know God has this whole thing under control. And his justice will be revealed. You just need to stay with Christ. If you're in your Bibles, turn all the way back to chapter 1 of 1 Peter. This is where we kind of started. All the way back to chapter 1. I told you, he just sprinkles these all the way through. 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Because God has raised Jesus from the dead, we know our own reward is certain. That's what Peter is pointing out. And he uses so many words in here to help you understand just how certain your reward is. You know, we live in this world. <laughs> this is where we live. This is where I go to work. This is where I, you know, stop at Quick Trip to fill up on gas. I live in this world. But the number one feature of this world is that it is a perishing world. My tires wear out. My car wears out. My house wears out. My roof wears out all the time in Oklahoma, thanks to hailstorm. It's a perishing world. And... My body wears out. This is not the body I had once. It's not doing the things that it used to do. Yours isn't either. We're perishing. And Peter said, here's the thing. That's all true. Eventually this world is going to get on top of this body. But because Jesus was raised from the dead, you know your hope is stored for you in a place where it cannot perish. It's imperishable. It cannot rot. 
You know, it cannot decay. It cannot wear out. When you are in the presence of God, it won't matter if you've been there five seconds or five trillion years. It will be as fresh and as joyful and as surprising and as fun as it has ever been. Imperishable. And that reward to you, as you have your faith in Jesus Christ, is certain. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. The world, someday, may come by and look at your tombstone. See what you wrote, or see what others wrote about you. I hope they wrote nice things. I think you should write your own, just to be sure, but I hope they wrote nice things. But the deal is, whatever they wrote on your tombstone is not the last word about you. The last word about you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, is the same as the word God spoke about Jesus Christ when Jesus was in his tomb. And all the Pharisees and leaders of the Jews and the Romans said, well, thank goodness that's over. And God says, you haven't seen anything yet. And one day, that tombstone or plaque or whatever you have Whatever anybody wrote on that, it's just going to fall over. And that ground that they covered you up with, it's going to break open. And you're going to come out of whatever grave they put your body in when you finally succumb to the flesh you will come out bearing the form of Jesus Christ, the body that he had when he came out of the grave, a body that is suited to live forever in the presence of God in the new heaven and the new earth, a body that is itself imperishable, Paul says, a body that is incorruptible, Paul says, a body that, unlike this one, which is kind of a source of shame for us, a body that is full of glory. I don't even know what that means. I, all I see is shiny, but I hope I'm not super shiny. I don't know. That's what's going to happen to you. The verdict of the world is, well, that's what they, that was their life. And they lived this long and then they're gone. But you're not gone. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, God will raise you from the dead. God will raise us from the dead. And so we will be with the Lord forever. A couple of weeks ago, I read a story I had never heard before. 
in the early, early days of the communist takeover of the Soviet Union, of Russia. Catherine the Great had already annexed Ukraine, and so when the, the communists consolidated power, they had control over Ukraine. So in the uh, middle of the uh, time when Lenin was in power, he sent one of his deputies to Kiev, and um, the policy of Lenin, there was some overt persecution of religion, but the main policy of Lenin about religion was propaganda against it, mockery of it. And so this, this deputy of Lenin came to Kiev and he gave a long speech, apparently. It's over an hour long, maybe uh, almost two hours, in which kind of all the standard criticisms of religion that you've probably heard, kind of village atheist objections, making fun of Christianity, making light of it, downgrading it, calling people who believed in it kind of simpletons, uneducated, not modern in their thinking, attached to old ideas, need to come into the modern world. He went on and on and on and on. A large crowd was gathered, apparently. And when he finished, there was a, an Orthodox bishop. He just stood up. He turned to the crowd. And he said three words. Well, this is in translation, but I'm assuming it's three. He looked at the crowd and he said, he is risen. And the whole crowd shouted back, he is risen indeed. You are here because Jesus Christ is risen. You are here because you will be raised when Jesus Christ comes back. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your blessings to us. We thank you so much for the comfort you give us just day in and day out. We feel your love in the tiny little things that make our life good and, and the great salvations that you give us from our problems. But God, we... We don't even have words to express how grateful we are for this hope that you've given us to overcome this world. This world is big. We know it's going to kill us one day if, if Jesus doesn't come back. It's going to destroy our bodies. But God, we know you've overruled that and you will raise us up in the last day and that we will be with you forever. And God, we are so grateful and we are so looking forward to that day. And God, if you're listening to us, we pray that day will come quickly. We pray that day will come quickly. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.